Good evening, everyone. Welcome. Uh, as Michael said, my name's Jess. Um, and for those of you who don't know me, I'm on the staff team here. I've just finished my first year of training to be a vicar. Um, so you'll hear a bit more about that later on um, as the talk goes on. So, sadly, there are no white sheets with the Bible passage on. It will come up on the screen, but I give you permission to get out your phones and look up the Bible passage on your phones. So, it's Matthew 21, verses 28 to 32. Um, I'm going to read it in the NIV, but feel free to use whatever you fancy. Okay, so Matthew 21, verses 28 to 32. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons... He went to the first and said, Son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, The tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Great, I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to come together and open your word. Lord, I pray that the words that I speak will be the words you want me to speak. And the words that are grounded into each of our hearts will be from you. Lord, open our hearts today to hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So here we have two sons, and they're given the same command. Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And as expected, we have two outcomes. But before I get exploring those, let's have some context. We're in Matthew's gospel, so Matthew is writing predominantly to a Jewish audience. Today's passage starts with the question, what do you think from Jesus? So clearly, some sort of conversation has already happened. The chief priests and the elders have questioned Jesus's authority. Jesus responds by asking where the authority of John's baptisms was from, heaven or earth. The chief priests and elders thought about it, but they realized that whichever answer they gave, they weren't happy. If they said earth, well, then the people would hate them because John was seen as a prophet by most. And if they said heaven, then Jesus would ask why they didn't believe in John the Baptist. So they just said, we don't know. And out of that conversation came Jesus' question, what do you think? The chief priests and Pharisees are struggling to see why Jesus has authority. So he's using this parable to help them and us understand how we can go about a life that, that honors and glorifies God. And as we go through, please do be praying and asking yourselves what God might be saying to you tonight. So, as we know, in the passage, there are two sons. But first, I'm going to talk about a third son. And that son is Jesus. Jesus' answer to the command from the Father, go and work in the vineyard today, isn't strictly in this parable. And that's for a reason. 
but we can see his answer throughout the Bible. I expect Jesus didn't use his outcome in the parable because it is impossible for us as humans to do it. His outcome would be the answer, yes, I will go, and then actually going. I have a four-year-old godson. He's also my cousin, and he's a lovely little boy. It was my birthday two weeks ago, and some of my family were at my parents, including my auntie and my godson. My auntie asked him to stand up and say happy birthday to me, but he wouldn't do it. No matter how hard my auntie tried, he just wouldn't say happy birthday. Now that's a small example, but it is the exact opposite of the son saying yes and doing the task. My godson literally said no and didn't do it. There may have been occasions where we have been asked to do something and we actually have done it. But I don't think that happens every single time, particularly when God is doing the calling. But there is one person who did say yes and go ahead and do what the father had commanded. He gave his life at the father's command so that we might be free. Jesus heard his father's command and he did what was asked of him. He was the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus didn't include this outcome in the parable. Why? Because only he can do it. Only Jesus is able to say yes to his father's command and follow through on it every single time because Jesus was and is divine. I've been spending this first year of vicar training understanding when it's right to say yes and when it's right to say no. In the past, let's say I have been much better at saying yes than saying no, and I learned very quickly that saying yes to everything makes me very tired and pretty grumpy. My point is that Jesus knows that we're human. Jesus knows, even before he gave his life for us, that we were going to fall through the gaps, that we can't say yes and follow through every single time. The pressure's off. Because Jesus loves us, not because of what we do, but Jesus loves us despite what we do. In verses 31 and 32, it says, Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. Now, the tax collectors and prostitutes come up twice in this passage, so it's important to mention them. We see here that they'll be entering the kingdom of heaven ahead of the Pharisees. Why? Because the prostitutes and the tax collectors believed, and the Pharisees didn't. Jesus loved them despite their actions, but he also loved them so much that he didn't want them to continue doing what they were doing. On so many occasions, we see Jesus tell somebody to leave your life of sin. The woman in, caught in adultery in John 8 comes to mind. Jesus loves them despite what they do, but he also wants them to see them live the life that God has for them. So if you're sitting here thinking, I never get it right, keep listening. And at the end, please do pray with someone because Jesus loves each of us. 
those who seem to get it right all the time and those who feel like they get it right none of the time because the truth is none of us get it right all the time. And Jesus still loves us. At the end of the passage, we, are, we see what we're called to do when we get things wrong because we will get things wrong. So keep listening because whether for the first time or the 100th time, Jesus is calling us to him. So the first outcome that we see in the passage, I'm actually going to go backwards and start with the second son's outcome. So in verse 30, we hear, then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. This is not what Jesus wanted to see. This is the worst possible outcome. And it's how Jesus saw the chief priests and Pharisees behave. They were all about following the rules. There was no faith involved for them. For this type of person, it's all empty words. And I'm sure all of us have been there at some point. How often do we come to church and we sing the songs and we say the piece and we sit through the talk, but we actually aren't engaging or meaning anything that we're saying or doing? I have definitely been there. We go through the motions because we think that is the right thing to do. But how often are we actually thinking about our dinner or work tomorrow? Back when I was 12, I hadn't really been to church, not regularly. I used to go at Christmas, Easter sometimes, and on Remembrance Sunday. So, age 12, I bundled up to my parents, and I asked if they would take me to church, and they obliged. And there started my journey. Why did I ask to go to church? Because I went to a Roman Catholic secondary school, and I was intrigued by so much of what I was being taught. I was curious. But I certainly didn't know who Jesus was. In fact, I remember one Easter being in church and thinking, why are we talking about this man? I'm pretty sure I'm here for God. So the words that I often said in church were just me speaking. There wasn't much actually going on in my brain as I failed to engage in the worship, other than I wonder what's for lunch, or why does this hymn have so many verses? On occasion, I did mean what I was singing. Most important for me was the hymn, Here I Am, Lord, Is It I, Lord? I'll come back to that later. But more often than not, I was saying yes. And I wasn't actually doing or, say, or saying what I was saying yes to. And I'm sure lots of us have been there. So what does Jesus call us to do when our words don't match up with our actions? We'll get to that at the end of the passage. And you've guessed it, regardless of what we do, we are called to do the same thing. So, our third outcome to explore. In, in verse 29, we hear son number one's answer. I will not, he answered. But later, he changed his mind and went. If I could take a guess, I would imagine that most of us here are this son. We choose to say no, but later we decide to act that actually it is a good thing to do, and we go ahead and do it. Even when we say no, God is still ready to accept us. Remember, Jesus knows that we're going to react in this way. We see in verse 31, Jesus asks, which of the two did what the father wanted? And they answer the first. So it is better 
to say no and then later decide to do instead of saying yes and those being empty words. So, is there something that God is calling you to and you are saying no? For me, it picks up on my testimony. So, as a teenager, I was singing that hymn, Here I am, Lord, is it I, Lord? And I stood there and I prayed, Here I am, use me. I had no idea at that point what God was actually going to do with my life. At 18, I went to university, and on so many occasions, I got asked whether I had considered ordination. My initial reaction to everyone was, no, obviously not. Not for me. For my friends, not for me. I now have four friends from university who are all ordained, so that was definitely their thing and definitely not mine. Even before that, I knew I wanted to do what my vicar did, but I certainly didn't want to be ordained. I was adamant. Time went on, the nudges kept happening, the questions kept coming, and I still said no. No, God, I will not do what you are asking of me. Fast forward to 2015, and I'm halfway through my master's degree. And I was pretty certain that community theatre is not where God wanted me to be. So what did I do? I prayed a lot. And what did God say? you know what you're meant to be doing. I think I actually rolled my eyes at that point. No, I will not do it. God, I'm not doing it. No, 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 not happening. At this point, I was worshipping at HTB, and on this particular Sunday, Will Vanderhart was speaking. And what was the topic he was speaking on? Women in leadership, particularly young women in ordination. And again, I rolled my eyes. Talk went on, and I was going, no, God, it's not happening. It's not me. Definitely not me. And at the end, Will Vanderhart said, so there are some young females here who they've had the nudges, they've had the questions, they keep saying no. And I rolled my eyes, laughed out loud, and said, uh, no, not happening. My friend pushed me, literally pushed me from the back to the front of church. And in that moment, I went, fine, God, you've got me. Use me for what you want to use me. And the doors opened, and here I am, three and a half years on, finished my first year of vicar training, and I'm loving it. That moment of turning back to God, I realized that this is exactly where God wants me. I finally stepped out and did what God is calling me to. So if you're saying no to God, then today is the day to turn back and seek, seek out what he is calling you to. He will eventually get you, like he got me. But it doesn't have to be ordination. That's just my story. It could be teaching, medicine, going for that promotion, being a parent, but God is calling you. So what do we do if we're the person who has said no, but wants to then go ahead and do it anyway? Or if we're the person who has said yes, but actually we haven't done it. Or if we, we feel like we don't match up because we don't get things right all the time. Or we feel we're too good because we think we do get everything right all of the time. Well, if you're the last, then you're lying to yourself. But we can find the answer at the end of verse 32. Repent and believe. 
That is what we are called to do. Each one of us, we are all called to turn back to God. That's what that word repent means. Turn back to him, say sorry for the times that we've said yes and haven't done it. Or we've said no, whether we've done it or not. This is what this parable is all about. Jesus knows that we're going to get stuff wrong. He didn't give the example of someone saying yes and going ahead and doing it because Jesus knows that that can only happen if you're him. And well, we're not. But before I go any further, I'd love to touch on the idea of doing. I've said it a lot. Say no, but do anyway, or say yes, but don't do. The first and most important thing to remember is what comes at the end of this passage, and that is to repent and believe. We are saved through faith, not by works, as it says in Ephesians 2 verse 8. Jesus loves us despite what we do. We are saved by our faith in him. Jesus loves us, and because of that love, we respond to the call to repent and believe. But we do see in this passage what we're called to do after we repent and believe. You see, we aren't loved by God because of our works. In other words, because of what we do. We are loved by God because God created us and he loves us as his children. And through that love, we are then called to live a life that glorifies God. As the body of Christ, as the followers of Jesus, we are given the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of us so that we are able to follow God. If we were left to our own devices, we just wouldn't be able to do it. We have to rely wholly on God in order to be able to do. And with the Holy Spirit in us, the more we rely on him, the more we make the choices that run more in line with God's will. Now, a logical question to have is, yeah, but why do I have to do good things? Why do I have to do things right? Well, to those of us who are thinking that, I don't do the good things to gain God's love. I do the good things because first God loved me, and that is his ultimate plan for me. God loves each one of us here, and he wants to see us thrive. He loves us so much that he doesn't want to leave us in the way that we first found him. God wants to form us, to change us, to form us closer into Christ's likeness, closer into the yes and let's go and actually doing it outcome. And God does that by sanctifying us through the Holy Spirit. That word sanctify runs closely with purify. We are called to repent and believe. And when we do so for the first time, we are blessed with the Holy Spirit. And from that day on, God loves us so much that he won't leave us how we were, but he will form us more into Christ's likeness. And as we are formed and molded, we start to find that we make the better decisions. And we start to find that we rely more on the Holy Spirit and we are guided by the Holy Spirit. And yes, we might stumble, we might fall, but Jesus is right there with us to pick us up and we get going again. When we know that Jesus says yes to us, we will say yes and live lives that say yes to him. Here today, there are three groups of people. You might fall into one category or maybe even more than one. 
The first are those who want to accept Jesus for the first time. You want to know that love comes from God to answer that first call of repent and believe. The second group are those who want to repent, but this isn't the first time. And that is probably all of us here. Perhaps you've been coming to church out of habit, or you see a disconnect between your words and your actions, or you want to turn back because you haven't turned back to God in a very long time. And the third group are those who keep saying no, but they know that God is calling them into something. Today is your chance. Step out in faith, turn back to God and step into that calling that he has for you. I'd love to invite the band up now and invite us all to stand and close our eyes. And we're going to spend the next few moments in the silence, turning back to God. In a moment, I am going to say a short prayer that I'd love for you to echo in your hearts. If this is the first time you turn back to God, I'm going to say this prayer. And if you say it in your heart and then come and find myself, Jamie, or Michael at the end. But let's have a few moments of quiet, and then I'll lead us in prayer. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for the times when I have turned away from you. I believe in you, and I want to turn to you today. Help me to trust you and to follow you. In your holy name, amen.